ready. So, before we dive into our text tonight, I'm going to give you just a brief intro to the class. I want you to know what this class is about, what it is, and what it's not. And so we're going to start with what it is not. This class is not a verse-by-verse study of the book of Ruth. So if you thought that's what we were going to do, I am so sorry to disappoint you. That's what biblical commentaries are for. You can buy one and do all that on your own. You don't need a class for that. So this is not what we're about. It is also not a class where the expert comes and tells you the truth about this book. And this is where I wash my hands. <laughs> God is going to speak to each one of you. The Word of God is alive, and there's not just one truth. There's a variety of truths. Um, so that's what the class is not going to be about. This class is going to be an opportunity for us to learn together valuable lessons from this book. And I like those three words. The first one, opportunity, it just opens up possibilities, right? There's not one fixed thing. This is an opportunity for each one of us to go in many different directions with the Lord. Together, I truly believe that when we come together, our experiences with God are just enhanced. They're better. And we can, you know, I remember when I was in high school and I never wanted to ask questions because I thought they were going to be dumb. And whenever someone else asked them, I thought, woo, thank God they asked them. So when, when we're in, in community, we learn so much just listening to someone else's questions, thoughts, comments, and hopefully we'll have a lot of that. And lastly, lessons. Again, it's not just one truth, one thing we're going to learn. I'm going to be just highlighting different things about the book, and hopefully each one of you will translate it into something personal. Um, in this class... What, the way I, I want to think about it, the way I prepared it, it was like a time machine. What we're going to do is we're going to go on a journey through the book, and we're going to get to know each character intimately, really intimately. We're going to get close to their lives, close to their struggles, because this book, let me tell you, this book is different. This book is unique in so many ways, because here we don't have parting of the waters. We don't have a big... We don't have a voice opening up the skies and speaking down to the people. We don't have a multiplication of bread. We don't have any of that. We have the lives of ordinary people just doing ordinary things, dealing with marriage, kids, food. Most of us can relate to that, right? They were just ordinary people. And uh, the attitude they showed, the behavior that they showed, is going to teach us so much about God. We're going to see who God is through others. We tend to just see God on his own, but we are image bearers of God. And so this book is going to just open up our eyes and find new ways to discover God through those around us. Now, the book is divided. Did you, did you do your homework? Awesome, because we're not going to read the book again. You just read it. It's fresh in your minds. Some of you probably know it by heart. Some of you might taught it, but give me, give me a chance to teach it. Um, so the book, you know, it's divided in four chapters, right? And most people would think that because we have four classes together, we're going to do a chapter each class. Did you think about that? Yep. No. We are not going to do that. I'm all about curveballs. What we're going to do each class, we're going to get to know one character. Mary. 
one character per class. And uh, that's why we're going to give you know, each other or ourselves the opportunity to get to know them intimately. And why, why, why this approach? And there are several reasons for that. The first one is because the book of Ruth is a story. And stories are great, are great to remember them, they're great to pass them on. But the problem with stories, especially well-known stories like this one, is that we have a hard time isolating events or fully engaging with specific situations because we know what's going to happen at the end. That's the same with movies, right? No one wants to know what's going to happen at the end. If someone does it, if someone tells you the end, it ruins it for you. It takes away from the experience. It takes away the thrill. If it's a mystery, you don't want to know the end. And then you're fully invested. Otherwise, if the person is suffering and he or she doesn't know if they're going to die, you know they're going to die. You're like, whoa. Or if you know they're going to survive, it just takes away from it. Right? Now, a common thing that happens with the book of Ruth, this is, all the examples I'm going to give, they're based on my own experience. So don't think that I'm throwing things at you. I'm starting with, always with myself. Something that happens with the book of Ruth is that the first chapter starts and we hear about the context and we hear about Naomi and we hear the struggles that she goes through and we feel sorry with her, for her. And then we keep reading, and then Ruth comes in the picture, and then Boaz comes in the picture, and it's the love story, and we're so excited. And by the end of the chapter, there's a marriage, there's kids, there's celebration, and we forget about Naomi. I forget about her. But we don't, we're not going to do that. In this class, we're going to honor each one of them, honor their experiences, because they're going to teach us. We might see ourselves in them, reflected in them. Now, another thing that happens when we study the Bible, and again, this happens to me, is when you imagine the, the story, I'm, I'm going to ask you this. When you think about Ruth and Boaz, how do you imagine them? How do you see them? I'm going to show you exactly how I see the whole scene of them, Ruth and, and, and Boaz getting to know each other. Can you click, please? That's what I see. We are so used to seeing the biblical characters as cartoons or paintings from the, the Renaissance and European painters. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's, that's a beautiful picture. But it's really hard to relate to those characters. It's really hard. They're, I mean, Ruth had been on the ground all day picking rain and sweating, and she's perfect. <laughs> Not even a spot of dirt, nothing. See, that's not true. We need to see them as humans so that we can relate to them. Because unless we do that, if we don't do that, we, we miss out. We miss out on so many things. So we're going to honor them, as I said. And, and to do that, by the way, thank you so much to whoever. Who, Mary? Who brought this? Donna. Thank you so much. You don't have your name tag, by the way, but I know your name. So um, first, we're gonna, as I said, we're going to spend time with each one of them, and we're going to move away from the cartoons or 
kids, characters that we have in our minds. And first, this class, I'm going to introduce you to Naomi. And I want you to meet her. This is Naomi. This woman suffered a whole lot. This woman was an immigrant. And she loved God deeply. But because of her struggles and because of her suffering, she wondered if God had forgotten about her. She had questions. She had doubts. And before asking God, she came up to her own conclusions. She had answers. Today we're going to get to know her. Now the next class, we're going to get to know Ruth. Our sweet Ruth. At her short age, she was already a widow. She was barren too. And that was shameful in that time. Very tough circumstances for her. Now, she was not an Israelite. She did not belong. She was from a land called Moab. But she had a tremendous heart. She was a courageous woman. And we're going to learn a lot from her next week. Make sure you come. Then we're going to meet Boaz, this sweet man. He had a pretty successful business. Very successful business, tons of employees. He was highly respected in the Jewish circles. Highly respected in his own world. But his world, compared to the superpowers around him, meant nothing. It was just a minority group. So although he was highly respected, maybe others that were not Israelites saw them as simply a peasant, just a Jew. But he had a big heart and he loved God. Think about these people. Are they different now? Are you slightly closer to them? These people were at the margins of the dominant world. They were ordinary people with ordinary lives. Again, as I said, the world revolved around kids and marriage or the lack of kids or the lack of marriage or food or the lack of food, safety or the lack of safety. But through their actions, we will see the faithfulness of God. God turned their fate, what was a struggle, turned into something that we're going to find out later on. Well, you already read the story, so you spoiled it for yourself, not me. (laughs) Um, This book is really going to challenge us. It's going to challenge us in many ways because we, most of us have a preferred way of going to God, a preferred person or place where we look for answers. For me, if I have a question, I either read the scriptures or talk to a pastor, talk to myself. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or, or I come to church but I never think can God speak to me through that person through that beggar on the street I don't go there automatically I don't go there this book will expose not only that 
It will expose a lot of preconceived notions that we have about the Bible, about God, who God is, who his people are, God's ways. It's going to expose our biases, our stereotypes. It, it really is going to challenge us. So my question, my question for you is, are we willing to go on this journey? Yeah? Great. Thanks. Woo! <laughs> are we willing to hear this message, a message from God, even if it, looks, if it sounds different to what you're used to hearing, especially about this book? Yeah? All right. So I do actually, I do have a little message for you that we're going to listen to. Emily, can you play that real quick, please? There's no sound. Thank you. Now, this is time for confession, at least for me. When I hear this, of course I don't understand. But when I hear this, I, I automatically shut down. That sounds so similar to some messages we've heard from like the Taliban. That's kind of old news. ISIS now. Doesn't it sound like it? It does. And without me realizing, I, I automatically get in suspicious mode. Like, ooh, what is that about? What is Gabby playing for us? I wonder what that person is saying. And by doing that, by getting on suspicious mode automatically, we miss out on so many opportunities. We automatically tell our brain, don't listen to that, or, or that's not right, or that's not good, that's not for you. And what if God was speaking to you through someone that looks or sounds or dresses up completely different? Because let me tell you one thing. The audio we just listened to is the book of Ruth read in its original language. This is what we're going to study, an ancient text, old, that sounded different, a culture that's very different to our own culture. Is this class different already? Yes, I wanted that. Now, this is just one example of a component that we will have in this class. And... If you want to see just a kind of like a structure of what we're going to do, what you can expect each class, we're going to have three components at least. Hopefully we'll have some laughter. At the beginning of each class, I'm going to give you some tools on how to study the Bible because I would be doing a disservice to you if I was just studying, studying, studying and just giving you what I understood. I would love for you to go home and then start using different tools so that you can study any book, not just this one. So first there's going to be tools. Sometimes the tools are going to be inserted throughout the text, I mean throughout the class. We're also going to have a time of guided learning. And I'm calling it guided learning because that's the part, the section where I'm going to be speaking. And again, it's not going to be verse by verse. I'm just going to be highlighting different things. Sometimes I'm going to highlight a word and we're going to see its original meaning. Sometimes I'm going to highlight a specific situation or, or a response. It's just going to look different. 
And then we want to have a time for group discussion so that we can make it whole, right? And there's always an element of homework, but you already know that because all of you did your homework. And so that's what, that's what we're going to do. Let's start. <laughs> that was a long intro, huh? That was part of the class. You can pull out your Bibles now. You can put your helmets on. And we're going to go on a journey back in time, about 3,000 years. And we are going to read the first two verses. And if someone can read it for us, please, someone with a loud voice. Or, you know, Jefe, do you have the microphone? Do you want to read it for us? I call him Jefe. So Bob, Bob is going to be helping us at the end, leading the group discussion. And you know that he was the chief of the fire department. What was it? Fire chief. Well, chief of the fire department in Portland. And so chief in Spanish is Jefe. And that's what I call him because we're really good friends. So Jefe. Anyone? Gary. You need the mic, though. You know what? Just, just read the first verse. Is it on? Oops. Well, you know what? Yes, thank you. Just, just the first one, just the first one. Thank you so much. I'll read it again. That took, sorry, we didn't plan the whole microphone thing. But I'll read it again in case you didn't hear. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. And we're going to pause right there for a second. And I know I said this was not going to be a verse by verse. But we are going to spend a lot of time in the class just in this verse. The information we just heard is really important. Right from the beginning, the author wants us to know what was going on. The author has given us the big picture. Now, we don't really know who the author is, but he or she wanted to give us all this information right off the bat. The author is setting the scene for us. He's given us the context. And that, my friends, is brilliant because if you want to study the Bible, the best place to start is with the context. That's your first study tool. Context, context, context. I cannot tell you how many times when I was at seminary, this was the number one answer to everything. But professor, what did it really mean that Moses said that? Context. Understand the context. What is this? Context. Everything was context. That's the number one takeaway I got from seminary. Context, context, context. That is your first tool. All right. When we, when we try to understand the context, what we're really doing is that we are situating the events, right? And that's, we, we need to situate them in a specific place and in a specific time. And I'm sure most of you, if not all of you, has had a little kid running up to you, let's say he's a little girl, 
and she got injured. She's running up to you saying, Mom, 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 or Dad, she heard me. She heard me. And you're like, calm down. No, she heard me. That's all she wants you to know. And what do you do? You probably, hopefully, you hug her. You calm her down. And then you start asking questions. She, who is she? When did this happen? How long ago? Don't you do that? You need, you need an explanation of the situation. Right? You need to situate what happened so that you can respond accordingly. Now, when it comes to the Bible, a lot of us, we just want the message. We just want to know what God's telling to me. I have this struggle, and I'm going through the pages. Hopefully, I'll get to hear something from God. We do that, and we don't stop to understand the context. We're like that little girl that just wants a quick fix. Context. How do you, how do you start wondering? How do you start uh, getting this information for the context. That is very easy. You just ask questions. Ask questions like, when did it happen? Where did it happen? Who was involved? What was happening in those times? What were the local customs and traditions? Those are very simple questions, and they give you rich information. Now, in the verse first verse, the very first one, the author responds to most of them. When did it happen? In the days when the judges ruled. Where did it happen? In Bethlehem, which was part of Judah. Who was involved? Elimelech, Naomi, and their two sons. What was happening in those times? A famine. We already know so much. And why, why is this important? I, this author this he or this she was brilliant because in one line, in one stroke, he or she was given us not just a chronological piece of information, was also given us a theological marker. In the days when the judges ruled. What was happening in the days when the judges ruled? If you've studied the book of Judges, you know that a lot of bad things were happening. Right, Barbara? <laughs> a lot. But if you really want to know and see how the whole Bible is connected, go one page back in your Bible. Just one page. Can I have your Bible real quick, please? I'm teaching the Bible and I don't have a Bible. How horrible is that? <laughs> Thank you. Just go back one page and see the last, read the last line. What does it say? So we're wondering, what was happening in those days? Last line. In, in those days, Israel had no king, and everybody did as he saw fit. Yeah. Other versions say everybody did what they thought it was right in their own eyes. And we know that what they thought was right was not right. That's, that, that's what's hap- that, what, what was happening. And let's remember that the book was originally written for the Hebrew mind, for Hebrew people. And they knew, oh, they knew what famine meant. See, the place where this tragedy was happening, this famine, this shortage of food, was the promised land. Bethlehem was part of the promised land. 
And they knew as soon, you know, right before they were, they were going to enter into the promised land, God set, out, set before them an agreement. And they said, you are to take this piece of land, but there are some rules. If you obey, if you obey my commandments, things are going to go great. There's going to be blessings. I'm going to bless the fruit of your labor and all those things. But if you don't obey, if you disobey, there's going to be famine, judgment, and the list is long, 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 long. So people knew that this, was just in, this wasn't just um, coming out of nowhere. Now, this is, this is the context. This is part of the context that was surrounding Naomi's life. And I, wanted, I want you to um, draw a line on your piece of paper. Oh, before, before we draw a line. You know, I spent hours working on that piece of paper. <laughs> Why limit your learning? Just a piece of, you know, a box and some space for you to go nuts. If throughout the class you have any aha moment, and aha moment is, a, a time when you're surprised, you know, you have a new piece of information or something that you thought was one way, God is telling you, whoop, you may want to reconsider that or something in your mind gets challenged. That's an aha moment and I want you to write it down in that box. And even if someone else shares something, you can, you can include that. Where's my papers? Sounds good. Are there any aha moments you've had so far? Do you want to write them down? All right. So on the back of it, could you just draw a line right in the middle, just a line? And then on the left side, just write down everything you know so far about the context. Right, so we know that there was famine, that she had to move to Moab. Now let's keep reading. I'll read it for you. Starting with the second verse, it says, The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Now we have more pieces of information to just put together our context. You want to write them down on the left side?
food. All right, so we know so far that there was famine. She was, you know, widow, childless. The place was not safe. We know that in the time of the judges, things were going bad. There was a, I already said famine. I've said that like three times already. We have all that context. Now, how can we translate that into something that means a little bit more? Because when we talk about famine, when we talk about a hurricane, when we talk about an earthquake, when we talk about numbers, 10 million people died, it's so abstract. And it's hard to relate to that. But a way in which we can translate to that is like this. If you want to click, Naomi lost her husband. Naomi lost her sons. Naomi had no legal rights. Naomi was an immigrant. Naomi was not safe. Naomi was hungry. Naomi was overwhelmingly sad. That's what was happening with her. That was a tough life. That's the, that's the title of this class. Tough life. That was the life of Naomi. And we can probably understand her a little better. Because in all honesty, before I started studying this book, whenever I thought of Naomi, I thought, oh yeah, the bitter woman. Yeah, the bitter woman. She changed her name for Mara. Bitterness. And isn't that unfair? I think that's really unfair to be remembered by what you did or said in your lowest moments in life. We have another example in the New Testament with Thomas, the doubting apostle, right? The doubting disciple. I'm sure Thomas did so many wonderful things. But we, we doubted once. He doubted once, and that's all we remember from him. That's unfair. That's really unfair. So we understand Naomi's context now, and it looks like we're going so slow. So it's time to move on. Right? No. We are not going to move on. This is painful. This is tiring to hear all these bad news. But we want to really honor Naomi. Because we've been talking about her for 20 minutes. And this reality meant 10 years in her life. I, I think I can relate to her. I feel like I can understand her even better. She was desperate. All her circumstances were letting her know things were not going to be okay. But the longer we put ourselves in the shoes of others around us, the more we feel their pain, the more we can empathize with them, then it gets easier to relate to them. Because when we go through struggles, we begin to do the exact same thing Naomi did. We automatically wonder, where is God? You start to do your math, right? Why did I get this illness? I eat so healthy. I exercise every day. Why? You add things and they just don't add up. It's kind of ironic. We do the exact same thing that Naomi did. Now imagine her thoughts as a believer that lived in the promised land. The land of milk and honey. Promised land? Yeah, right. Chosen people? Yeah, right. 
Now, we ask you, you know, you were talking about famine at the beginning. And what, you know, just two or three of you yell out. What did, what did you say or what did you hear from your group? Hunger. Hunger. Yep. Fear. Good, a feeling. Children with swollen bellies. Separation from God. Ooh, that's a good one. All of them are good ones, but that's especially good. So most of us, um, I dare say everyone here, famine is a, it's a thing that's so remote. It's so far from us. See, we don't really see children with bloated bellies walking around. Um, at least we don't see that often. Famine is a remote thing. We equated famine to hunger, and that's true, but that's still so abstract. The definition of famine is extreme scarcity of food. It's not just scarcity of food. It's extreme scarcity of food. And that's, that's hard for us to imagine. But that was very common. That was super common in those times. In the same way that it's common for us to owe money to the bank and maybe lose everything because you can't pay your debt. Or to lose your job and all of a sudden you don't know what to do. Or to have a terminal in- illness and all of a sudden plans change. So while famine was a shortage of food back then, for the quote-unquote civilized world, famine comes in different forms. You know, And I, I, I want to define famine for us in a different way. Famines today are any situation so difficult that causes you to question if God is truly for you. Those are our famines today. A situation so difficult that it forces you to change your, life, your lifestyle, your routine, your zip code. When we think of immigrants that go to other places for food, we kind of look down on them. When, when we lose our job and we get an, a job on the other side of the country, like me, you move and you go to where the job is, where, the, where food is. We all do it. But some ways are a little bit more fancy than others. But famine is everywhere. has many different faces. For Naomi, it was scarcity of food. And for the entire people, it was a separation from God. That's, that's, that's right, Gary. And I want us to look at a little something, a piece of information that we miss because of translation. This famine happened in Bethlehem. Right? That's what, what's what the author said. Now, in Hebrew, because Bethlehem is a Hebrew word, Bethlehem means the house of bread. Beth is house, or bait, and Lechem is bread. And so when we read this in Hebrew, it's really ironic, because in the house of bread, there's no bread. It's like saying in the land of technology, there's no computers. It just makes no sense. But we miss that because of because of translation. There's, there's an irony. And this author, there's so many of those words that, or intonations, intonations? Yeah, that makes sense? Cool. That the author says, and to, to give us a piece of information that we miss, because this, this author is, is witty. And this author is after something. Now, we said we were going to, there's one question in our context that we didn't get to respond I don't know if you remember. If you want to go to the next slide, Emily. 
The last question was not answered in the first verses. What were the local customs and traditions? And we're going to understand each one of them, I mean, a lot of them throughout the course. But right now, I want to I talk about one specific aspect about this society because that impacted Naomi tremendously. And that was the kind of society that she lived in. Next one. Patriarchy. Now, the word patriarchy. I'm going to read you a definition so that it's not my word, just a definition by the Oxford Dictionary. And it's two, but they go hand in hand, both applied to the world where Naomi lived. Patriarchy is a system of society or government in which men hold the power and women are largely excluded from it. A system or society or government in which the father or eldest male is head of the family and descent is tracked through male line. So both applied to this world. And that dominated everything. Everything, how people did business, how families, you know, family dynamics, how women were viewed, how men were viewed as well. It works both ways. And so I, want, I, wanted, I wanted to bring that context because there's another word for Naomi that is used throughout the text, and it's the widow, Naomi the widow. Right? Before she was anything else, she was a widow. And the word for widow in Hebrew is the word almana. And it's really interesting because this word, you can read it there, it only applied to women without husbands or sons or fathers-in-law. In law. And it comes from a root, alim, which means unable to speak. So when they were calling someone a widow, they were not saying that person is lacking a husband. They were saying that person who cannot speak. Because in the patriarchal society, the voice of a woman, of a woman meant nothing unless it was validated by a man, by their husbands, by their fathers-in-law, by their sons. And Naomi had none of those. So this, this is really interesting because this book is the book that has the most amount of dialogue in the entire Bible. Dialogue everywhere. And the majority of these dialogues are spoken by women. And both of them are widows. And the author is saying, these, pe- these people that can't speak are speaking all throughout the book. And it's a flip. Even though the society looked like something, God brought these women to the forefront and gave them a voice. A voice. They were, it wasn't, the author wasn't only saying, well, and she said, and she said. No, it's, these were the words of Naomi. These were the words of Ruth. And that's, I found that really, really interesting. Now, we've spent a few time with Naomi. It's been sad. I don't know if you can relate to her a little better or not. We've only gone through the first, not even the whole chapter, just a little bit. I'm lost in my notes. Here we go. But the story does not end like that. We know that. But it was good to spend some time with Naomi without thinking that eventually things were going to get better. Eventually she was going to go back and there was food. For Naomi, the world was gray. It was dark. All she knew is that she was widow, that she had no legal rights, 
that she was an immigrant, that she was in a foreign land, that she was hungry. She was overwhelmingly sad. But she did not know that God was going to use her big time. She doesn't know that just yet. But it's okay for her to suffer because God is going to meet her right there in her struggle. Right there. And the author wants us to know that there is hope. Because if we read the last section, the last line in the first chapter, and by the way, the chapters, there are four different scenes. They're planned like that. And so the last one, it says, So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. There was famine. She was eventually going to be called back. She was going to go. And there was food ready for her. She didn't know any of that. But in the midst of her suffering, there was hope. Now, we're going to take some time to talk with one another. And Bob Wall is going to help us with that. Thank you, Bob. Then we're going to come back for like just a second. And we're going to see what the homework is for the next class. Sounds good? All righty. So this is uh, up our opportunity to get involved in the learning together. So as you discussed uh, famine uh, during the first question, uh, a couple more questions for you to work on together. Uh, The first one is, from what you just uh, heard from Gabby and what she shared with us, what stood out for you? Let's take about uh, three minutes and share within your group uh, what stood out from what was shared uh, during the teaching time. And then I'll have a second question for you. What stood out from Gabby's teaching? Go ahead. Um, We have some outcasts, some people that didn't really fit in, characters that didn't fit in. And so, um, you know, Naomi was an outcast in a, in a, in a way. Um, her uh, daughters-in-law were outcasts, right, from a different um, country. Um, so think about the word outcast and share how have you felt like an outcast in one way or another in your life, and it could be um, from a loss, and there was a loss uh, from a death, it could be suffering, could be um, uh, a number of different things. So reach a little bit deeper and share how have I felt like an outcast and share with your group. Or what, what being an outcast was like um, how how did that feeling of an outcast form or develop who you felt as a person and what you thought about God? So the feeling, is that clear? So the feeling of being an outcast that feeling, what effect did that have on how you feel about yourself 
or and how do you feel about God? Because that's a thread in this story as we saw. Okay? Again, a, a word, a phrase, a sentence, and make sure everybody has an opportunity to share. All right. So, it just seemed to me that there was amazing discussion and participation, and, and it was deep um, sharing going on. Well, um, you were able to listen to one another and learn from one another. Now it's an opportunity for some of the groups, and only a few of the groups will share this time, but will share what came out of the discussion. We'll even record some of the key words or phrase uh, so that we can all be uh, beneficiary of that learning and sharing. So um, let's start with uh, this group. Okay. So for us, it was no God, N-O, no God, no life. N-O, and then no God, K-N-O-W, and then no life, K-N-O-W. Do you like to share? We uh, talked about uh, most of the group here, uh, immigration, and how hard it was to adjust to a new culture, and especially we have some that came a long, long time ago, and so it was really hard. He was the outcast. Here he is in the United States of America with an occasion trying to fit in. He said it was hard to fit into the family. Wow, into the family of immigrants. Yes, that's right. That's right. Okay, immigration and fitting in. Very difficult. Uh, We discussed how God uses deep lows to make great connection with him. I was in uh, college and my registration uh, was not recorded. So when I went for my junior year, I was not registered. And so I was cast out of the university. And I went to my college pastor and he said, well, I can get you into a Bible college. And uh, I registered there, started over as a freshman, and never went back to the university and completed my degree in uh, biblical study. So God had a different and a better plan. Uh, right. So in our sharing, we um, talked about how Sometimes being an outcast can cause you to um, have to read it. Become more independent and self-reliant and go become your own strength or to turn more inward and rely on God's strength. Donna, can you hear me? Okay. (laughs) All right. Um, You know... I know that Don just said that he got a degree in biblical studies, right? And I know that here there's many people who have taught this, who have 
studied this in depth, so it's not the first time they go to a, a course on the book of Ruth, but a, a privilege and a responsibility that we all have when doing things in community is being willing to go through well-known pathways with those who are walking them for the first time. We will always have something new to learn. There's a famous philosopher that said um, that you cannot step twice into the same river. The same person cannot step twice into the same river, even if you go back and forth, back and forth, because the first time, the experience of going through the water will change you. And by the time you cross it again, you're going to be in a different stream of water. There might be fish. There were probably there were no fish, no, no fish in the past. And so you can never do the same thing twice because you're constantly being transformed. And, and this philosopher just said it in the context of, you know, nature, when we know that every time we encounter God through the scriptures and through others, we are changed. So I hope that we learned something different today. Um, we are going to have homework for next class. Emily, if you can just click on it, please. The homework for next class is to read Genesis 19, verses 30 through 38, and it's going to make no sense to you. And then you're going to do a word study of the Hebrew term chesed or chesed. And you can just, in the past you had to buy specific, you know, books or Bible studies or concordance. Concordance, is that the word in English? Uh, concordancia. But now you can just Google it. Just say Hebrew word, word study of the Hebrew term. You can spell it like chesed or without the C, chesed. And just see what, what it says. Do, do your own word study. And then we're going to come next class. I'm going to keep track of all this. We'll do something with it eventually. Bring your piece of paper. We're going to keep writing things on the same one. We're going to keep adding context. And, um, yep, it's all full. We may print some more. <laughs> we'll print some more. And, uh, yes, and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for coming.